Okay. That um, did you stop the music? Did you just stop it like that? That was rather abrupt. Uh, good morning. Good morning. You're listening to This American Podcast Comedy Edition, Friday, January. Is it the 21st? Somebody know what the date 22. is? 22. January 22nd, 2016. Uh, we're coming to you live from ComedySchoolsRadio.com. High above Scottsdale at the ComedySchools.com studios at the second coolest corner in all of Scottsdaleville, Goldwater and Camelback. We are the uh, second coolest corner. Are you having trouble with your headphones? Jennifer? That's all right. I, I don't okay. care for a minute. Right. Um, we're the second coolest corner because you guys are, um, and I have John Caponera and John... Jason. Jason. Lawhead, like Jason, breaking the Jason law. Jason Lawhead. Yeah. Jason Lawhead. Mm-hmm. Jason Lawhead. Say it three times so you remember it. Jason Lawhead. <laughs> It's that lawhead boy. Campanera and lawhead. That lawhead boy. Were you in an accident? Were you hurt? Do you have an injury? <laughs> Maybe you don't feel injured. Come by and see us. We got a guy who will break your leg and say it was an accident. Campanera and lawhead. We'll fight for you. We have John Campanera, who um, um, is uh, one of the best friends I had never met until a few months ago. Uh, uh, we are, uh, we are uh, best buddies through association over the years. Uh, and it's your second time with us here. Yes, it but, is. And it's your second time at the uh, club that is at the coolest corner in all of uh, Scottsdaleville, uh, the Laugh Factory, the Scottsdale Laugh Factory. You're back. I'm back, man. I'm back in January, which was a lot better than July. Uh, now, now let me ask you this, okay? I'm going to ask you this, and, and I, I want an honest answer, okay? Are you back because you love the club or because you love playing golf? <laughs> <laughs> I'm back by popular demand. No, I... I uh, I'm back because I I, uh, I need work, and uh, they had an opening. And I filled it. <laughs> Let me tell you something. After your after your last appearance, and uh, we we actually popped down and saw you. After your last appearance, I talked to so many people. You hadn't been in the market for years. You hadn't been uh, in in uh, uh, this market for quite some time. Right. Yeah. And I talked to so many people that knew who you were. Okay. Or then if and then heard you were there and said, "I'm sorry that I missed that show." I wanted to see that show, uh, and now the and I think one of the reasons that they brought you back so quickly is because there was good buzz about you. Not only because people liked you by reputation and what they'd seen you done in the past, because the shows you put on, so they got you back. And I'm predicting that you're going to have uh, some pretty good shows this weekend. Well, you know what I I like coming around this time because I know there's a lot of snowbirds, a lot of people from the Midwest, a lot of Chicagoans. Yeah. yeah. And the, a lot of Chicagoans will recognize the name because that's where I played for thirty something years. Is that what it is, Chicagoan? How do you say that? <coughs> Chicagoans. Chicagoans. Yeah. I thought it was Chicago whites. That's what I thought. Am I wrong? Chicago whites. Chicago. <laughs> Chicago. Chicagoites. Chicago- oh, Chicagoites. Chicagoites. Chicago oh, I, I, I call it Chicagoans. Chicagoans. That's a tough like, verbal vowels. <laughs> but anyway, I, I figured I, I wanted to come in March because I wanted to go to spring training games. Yeah. And I figured a ton of people would be here f- from the Midwest sure. that would recognize the name and come out to the club. But they uh, they said they had an opening in January, and I said, hey, uh, let's do it. You know, so... But it's a great club, you know. It's it's just got to we just got to fill it up. It's a beautiful room. It's a beautiful room. Uh, um, uh, the uh, it's building. It really is. I mean, when they when they first came in, uh, you know what? Anything has to build. Right. right? You're either going to do this. You're going to you're either going to dump you know several million dollars in advertising and hope. Okay. They did. They've done everything right, and they built a beautiful club at a perfect location. Everybody knows that corner, uh, Scottsdale and Shea, and the momentum is building for that club. 
So you're going to have a great audience this week. And, you know, what I like is you realize that a lot of uh, snowbirds were here from the Midwest. You're originally from Chicago. But just to buttress your opportunities, you brought a man from Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Jason Law. Yeah, it shows them how to, how, how to look good. Yeah, it's like when you're running for president and you go, who's the vice president that will help me get over the top? Yeah. Well, we're going to have a lot of Midwesterners there. I'm going to find a Midwestern feature. <laughs> I'm, I'm the swing state feature is what I am. <laughs> I, that's what I do. I bring in the swing swing votes. and uh, You know yeah. what? I Years ago, I, I've been working hilarities for like 30-something years. And years ago, I'm working there, and, and Jason was the manager of the restaurant uh, tied to the club. And uh, he started doing stand-up after a while, yeah. and he, you know he's been at it twelve years now. And so, uh, we get a chance to if I to bring him along if they want me to bring my own uh, feature. It's it's great because you got that I'm, kind of pull. I'm bringing my own guy. Yeah, I'm not following some local punk doing a bunch of local <laughs> references, and a couple of dick jokes, yeah. some airline jokes. No, I'm not doing that. Well, Jason also opens for Sebastian and Bill Burr uh, a lot. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I've thought I, yeah, I've been fortunate to meet some good people in this business that have given me uh, a lot of breaks. John was one of the earliest man. I got to know John right out of the gate. The second week I ever got paid to do comedy in my life as an MC in Cleveland. Yeah. Um, after you know, just cutting my teeth and proving myself i had done one paid week before as an mc and the second paid week i ever did was with john and you know he was a regular there the crowds in cleveland love him obviously and uh you know he it was great because you know by the time before i had moved out of cleveland the two or three more times he had come back he would tell the club hey make sure that that guy mcs for me and john was the first guy to literally talk to me about about comedy as a headliner like you know pay attention to what you're saying not just you know, most guys by that time, they're headliners. They could really care less what the MC's even saying as long as he's not ruining their show. Yeah. Um, they, they really don't really care to talk to you much. Um, but John was the first guy. I could hear him laughing in the sound booth. And then, you know, while the middle guy was up, he was the first guy to literally tell me, like, hey, you should work on this a little bit more or take the crowd this way and, da, 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 and work on that. And it was, uh, it was vital. You know, to have yeah. that, because I think there's there's a lot of different way guys start different ways and you can either quit because of one thing or maybe give up because of one thing or maybe not commit uh, to this craft because of one or two or three other things that you feel are the exterior distractions. And it's vital to have somebody that you look up to to tell you, hey, man, if you do this a little like this or maybe da, 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 you'll get more out of this and you can at least take that home and go. You know, wow, I, I, you know, there, there's something to this, and it, it, it makes you look forward to the next time you perform because you can take that advice from a guy that's a legend, right? And mm-hmm. now we're friends, and uh, it, it's, you know, I can't be luckier and more fortunate to have met John in, uh, you know, in this business. John, does he run the light a lot? That's great. That was a well-formed explanation. <laughs> give him, give him the light. <laughs> Give him the light. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's like this girl last night from the club. She's a waitress, right? Yeah. So we go out to a bar afterwards, and pop, she pops in. She's there, oh, you know? Yeah. And she goes, well, listen, I know all about it. I've been here for years. I could tell you anywhere to go, what to do. You want to go to a strip show, and I know the people there. I know this and that and the other. And then it's like we go to across the street to another place. She's there again. It's yeah. like, is she following us or yeah. what? She wouldn't shut up. Was she, she ran a, a short blonde haired girl? No. No, no. Yeah, it's a different one. All right. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs>
<laughs> but you know what? I'm I'm one of those comics that watch you in are. the back of the room. And if, if the younger guys, uh, you know, if I feel he's got some stuff that I could throw a tag on or throw something his way, I I, I like to help out. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I I've done around long enough to go. You know, you you got a nice premise there. But hey, try this as a tag. You could add this to your and act. You even at one time for a period of time at the uh, the ha ha. In, yeah. uh, in North Hollywood, where a good and I'm going to say this, okay, because the guy gets a bad rap a lot. I, I think Jack Asadorian is a great guy. Well, I mean, he always treated me nice. He always treated me nice. And what it is is he's he'd come up. He's he's a close talker, <laughs> and, <laughs> and he's always excited. And he would come and go, Tony, I am passionate about comedy. Today, Tony, we are going to sell out. But if we don't, Tony, I'm still passionate. You know, and it's, you go, is he going to hit me or is he happy? He even explained to me one time. He goes, people don't understand when I'm happy that I yell, Tony. And I go, you're happy a lot, Jack. <laughs> but you. <laughs> but you're, you're, you're teaching a class now, right? I, well, we have, a, we have a class at the Laugh Factory. We have, right. we have several workshops throughout the city. But uh, uh, we are really excited about the uh, workshop. that we, we have an improv workshop. At the Laugh Factory. Oh, okay. So we're teaching improv there. We have a stand-up workshop at, um, uh, I'm not going to mention other clubs during, you know, right. during their time, even though they get along with these guys. You right. Know? Uh, and I also teach uh, workshops uh, at the Tempe Center for the Arts. Mm. Well, so, when I was, when I had a class. Because you did it in North Hollywood. When I had a class, I was telling them, you know, I, you know, they're paying their money. I said, but I realized a lot of them wanted you to write their act. And I'm yeah. like, hey, dudes. You know what? I you have to come in with your own stuff. I can I can help you cut to the chase. Maybe yeah. lose some verbiage. You know, get to the punchline quicker. Maybe add, maybe add a little tag for your hair. But you got to come up with your own stuff. I says I yeah. if I write this stuff for you, then it's me being funny on stage. Yeah, it's it's not you. I, my sense of humor is coming to the light, not yeah. yours. So you got to come up with you got to come. Up, I haven't lived your life. I don't yeah. know what makes you special. I, you got to talk about what's going on in your world, and I could help you with that. You know. Well, you talk about your sense of humor because uh, um, you have one of those. Uh, I think what's interesting, one of the things interesting about you is you have a very unique perspective that's eminently relatable. You know that you you've been you're you're kind of an everyman guy, yet you see something. If there's five guys on a loading dock. And they're all watching a truck pull up. You're the guy that notices the odd thing about the truck or the way the guy's pulling up. That's who you, you know, so you, you have this unique sense of humor that's really relatable. So when did you begin to notice that you went, okay, wait a minute, I'm, I'm slightly different than the other fellows? Well, you know what? I started out doing impressions, you know? Yeah. And just... Great to, impressions. Just to get my feet wet, you know, just that. And I realized... I was hiding behind these impressions, and I, I didn't want to be known as, an, a, as a novelty act. Uh-huh. I said, i got to get out of these impressions because, yeah. you know, I want to I want to prove I could be funny without them. Yeah. So I started dying a thousand deaths trying to do my own stuff, and then I realized I was writing for what I thought the audience would laugh at instead of writing for what I thought was funny. Mm -hmm. And that was the biggest mistake a lot of young guys make. They trying to write for what mm -hmm. they think the audience will laugh at, and that's that's where you go wrong. You got to write for what makes you laugh. Yeah, that's what brings your sense of humor to the f to the forefront. And once I once I got into that and realized that, I, I just started writing down everything and anything that made me laugh or chuckle. And then the secret is trying to bring that to a, a room full of strangers. Yes, that's the key to comedy to uh -huh. me. Is 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 describing in the least amount of words the clearest picture uh, to get to your punchline. Yeah, that's exactly. pretty. That's not stand up in a nutshell to me. 
Find out what you think's really, you know, what really makes you laugh. Take that premise, bring it to the stage, and the clearest picture and the least amount of words to get to your to, to get, get to your payoff. Get to the surprise. To yeah. get to your payoff. Yeah. And that's that's what I try. That's to me. That's comedy in a nutshell. You know. Well, you know, it's. Uh, I'll, I'll tell some of my students. Sometimes I go. I go. To, uh, an English guy said said brevity's the soul of wit, and that guy knew a little bit about writing because that's what Shakespeare said about comedy. You know, hundreds of years ago. Because what I see with a lot of new comedy, the what. The biggest thing you see is a lot of them are doing other people's, not even so much other people's stuff, but other. when Mitch Hedberg was very popular, yeah. I saw a lot of young guys coming in, and they're all of a sudden talking like this, and mm-hmm. I go, I go, well, that's not your voice. You know, you're not a heroin addict. That's a, yeah. That, that <laughs> bitch talks like that because he's on heroin, because that's how all <laughs> heroin addicts talk. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but they'll copy someone else, do someone else's stuff. They go up there to express themselves in a unique way, and they end up, being yeah. someone else, or then they over-explain. They go on and on and on. And that's the biggest mistake in comedy. Sure. Paul Kelly, a, a very funny comic back yeah. in Chicago, he set me straight when I was first starting out. He's, I asked him for some advice. He says, John, he goes, you got some funny stuff. He goes, but man, you you're, you, you got to cut the verbiage. You got to cut to the chase. He goes, get to your punchline quicker. He goes, you got some funny stuff, but it, it's 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 you're, you're taking so long to get to your payoff economize your words that's that was the you're not writing a novel you're telling a joke or you're telling a bit you know that jason yeah (laughs) well i'm having deja vu i'm having deja vu because that's literally like when i first started some of the first advice he gave me was that advice what he just said about comedy in a nutshell he talked to me one time about economizing and and, you know you got the funny premise but the, the laughs aren't hitting hard because people are just they're waiting too long, and I, and that was one thing I learned quickly from John was okay, yeah, maybe I can just squeeze this down. Because you worry, I think, when you're early on as a comic, you worry, are, are they getting it? So you yeah. want to over-explain it. It's just a natural. Yeah. I have to get them along to understand what I've written here, so I have to tell everything about it to get them well, to. But you don't really. Here's people, another thing too. It's like if you can get on a premise or a, a subject matter. You could get more jokes out of that if you talk about the whole subject matter as opposed to just doing a one-liner. Mm-hmm. And I found if I talked about whatever, skiing, my trip skiing or, or the football game or whatever, if I just talked about that subject, I could probably get six or seven jokes out of it as opposed to doing like a one-liner like Annie Youngman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and that's how, what I found out that's what worked best for me in, in, in my style of comedy, you know. And, Anyway, I want to take this opportunity to plug my book. I just wrote a book you called. You wrote a book, okay? Good. It's called good, A Life in Comedy, and you can download it uh, on onto an iPad or a, any any smartphone. And Say it's, the title it's on Amazon. It's called A Life in Comedy. A Life in Comedy. And it's based on it's it's autobiographical, but it's sure. pretty much geared towards young aspiring comics. Okay. And plus, I fill in a lot of stories that happened to me over the years, so it's kind of like ball four. The yeah, baseball book. Sure. Mm-hmm. It's like the, uh, being on the inside of the world of a comedian. Yeah. And uh, it, I talk a lot about uh, the do's and don'ts and, uh, you know, the reality of the business, how lonely it can be and all that stuff. So, Well, we'll definitely put a link up for that. Um, you, I just got to say, because you mentioned someone, um, I, I tell a lot of young comics, they go, there are people who you will only be half as funny of, no matter how funny you are, that you've never heard of. Paul Kelly. Oh. One of those guys. I, you know where I work with him? Some hotel 50 miles outside of Detroit for John Yoder. And this guy comes in, nicest guy. He had that look in his eye. I was kind of new. And he had that look in his eye. He kind of looked at me like, 
uh, you're a good guy, but you're kind of new. I mean, he wasn't mean or anything. Right. But I was, you know, and he went up and did some jokes about wine country and pawpaw, you know, uh, which is some town where they, I guess, and, and I'm going, this guy is, I can't identify what he's doing, but he's just hilarious. Yeah. And, you know, they, that guy was so prolific. Yeah, we actually went to the same high school, but he's 10 years older than me. Oh, okay. And uh, he would go on and do an hour one night. Then I come back the next night, and he's doing a whole different half hour. And I'm wow. like, yeah, he's one of those guys that just, just was so prolific at it. And uh, he taught me a lot, and I loved watching him. And, you know, all those guys back when I first started out, I don't know if you know Ed Fiala or Ted Holum or, uh, you know, we all worked out of the comedy womb. Uh, Arsenio Hall and uh, I heard him. Uh, Larry Reeb, Judy yeah, Tenuta, Larry, oh, Judy Tenuta yeah. and, and Emo Phillips. And, you know, these guys were the, were, you know, they were they were veterans when I first started. And I, I just sit, I would sit in the back of the room and just take notes, man. Your old Uncle Larry. <laughs> oh, yeah. Larry Reeb looked 40 when he was 22. Yeah, yeah. he did. Yeah. Then when he finally hit 40, he, he looked his age. Yeah. yeah. And now he's approaching 60, and he still looks 40. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's looked 40. He looked, he's looked the same for he's 30 years. He's looked the same for 30 years. Yeah. You know, when you, when you would tour, and you know, you, I was touring out of L.A., and you'd go to these different cities and hear about these guys, and then and then see them and go, wow. these. Guys. It's like Steve Sweeney in Boston. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. He did mm -hmm. not yeah. become the biggest guy out of Boston. But you watch Steve Sweeney and go, this is the guy that a lot of guys learn from. You can see that, you know? Yeah, but here, here's another thing about Steve Sweeney. He was a big star in Boston. Yes. Because he did all the local humor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. None of that would transfer. None of that transfers anywhere else because he, he had all the little local places down, he accent down, and, you know, and, and, and they loved him there because he also did radios. So yeah. he would fill up the rooms. But yeah, it, it's all a, local humor. You go watch him, and you're from out of town, yeah. and you're like, I don't know what he's talking about. He great but thing. the audience is laughing their ass yeah. off. He know? had a great uh, Bing Crosby bit, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, know what it, no, I know what it is, too. <laughs> you do it. You remember, you remember what it no, was? No, he goes, uh, Bing Crosby's son writes a book. My dad used to beat me. Hey, get, he, he goes, <laughs> my dad used to beat me with your dad's records. <laughs> <laughs> my dad used That's to break hilarious. your dad's record over my. Because I worked with him in That's Vegas, funny. and it was when I was, you know how you're doing? You used to do 21 shows in Vegas because you do three shows. We'd work the Riviera, and some guys you'd watch like Monday night and go, okay, I don't have to come back in here. He was one of those guys I'd go in and watch every night. Yeah. And the same thing with Paul Kelly when I worked with him. I'm going to watch this guy every night. You know they say uh, my friend and your friend Rich Scheidner told me when I first started out, he was uh, a guy who really helped me get my start, which I'm still angry with him. I could have had a nice life doing something I know, else. no, I keep telling people, I keep telling people, I'm not going to get you in this business. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I'm not going to throw you, I'm not going to throw you down Is that the Pittsburgh Funny Bone guy? That Rich? Rich Scheidner? No, Rich Scheidner. No. Oh, oh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, the, the guy, yeah. the comic. Yeah. Rich yeah. Comic guy, Rich Scheidner, yeah, yeah. Uh, he Brilliant me, writer. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. He told me, he goes, he goes, I'll tell you how you know if a guy's funny, if you can remember one of his jokes. Because he goes, most guys you work with, he goes, so I remembered Paul Kelly and his bit about uh, wine country and Papa. I remember Steve Sweeney's being crazy. And you, I remember two of your, like, and they're classic now. It's actually classic. And, of course, it's your Harry Carey. And uh, uh, and I don't want to be one of these guys like, do it, do it for us. Your Harry Carey and your guy that you work with who knows everything. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I remember seeing those two bits and go, this guy is brilliant. The, I mean, you, the union guy. The union guy. Yeah, yeah. The yeah, guy. I was a union guy when I was young, <laughs> so I knew this guy. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. we would load trucks, and he'd stand out in front of his truck and just uh, never lift the box. He'd have, his, <laughs> he'd have a cigarette looking for the foreman, 
Yeah. You know, it's solving the world's problems. Yeah, mm -hmm. I tell you what, I tell you what's wrong with the Middle East, John. I'll tell you right now. <laughs> Too many Arabs. <laughs> you got 17 different religious factions fighting over the same land. You're never going to have any peace over there. 17. The Druze, the Israelis, Shiite, Christians, Muslims, PLO, Qantas, Knights of Columbus, Shriners. <laughs> You're never going to have any peace. Because right. i tell you what they should do. I'll tell you right now. All those different religions that you just have one big softball tournament, you know? Double elimination, winner rules the country. And next year you have another tournament. Keep it going each year. New tournament, new leader. New tournament, new leader. Hey, leave that box there. I'll set it up in a second. Yeah. I love the dock worker. <laughs> that is, that is, uh, yeah. I saw you do that on television. It was the first time I saw you. I was watch, you know, you, uh, you, I don't know if you did this. I did this, and I'm ashamed of it now, how you'd watch shows that you weren't on going, why am I on this show? Well, yeah, yeah, show. yeah, yeah. You know, but I would, and, but I was flipping. I watched, and it was the first time I knew who you were. And I go, Jesus, that how did he he boiled that down? Because I, I knew that guy. And anybody who's ever done any any one day of manual labor has met that guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I I actually it was three guys I put into one because there was three guys on the dock. <laughs> yeah. And one guy had a tape measure. <laughs> and oh, this, that's, that's we loaded trucks. Yeah. We didn't measure the damn thing, you know. Yeah. But he had the tape measure. One of those guys that walks in your house and goes, "What kind of trim you got up there, John?" Is that three and three quarter, three and a half? And he pulls out the tape measure and starts, starts measuring it. Oh, my God, that's three and seven eighths. I'll be a son of a bitch. You can't get that no more. They quit making, they quit making that in 68. That's a custom job right there. You know that? You got a custom job. It's like, who gives Okay, so I had three guys in one. Then I had the other guy. He was the, the, the guy that goes, that's where they get you, John. That's where they get you. He says, I bought a printer. You know, they give the printers out now. They just hand them to you. Hey, take the printer. Here, give me $25. Take the printer. Yeah, it scans, it prints, it copies, does everything. He goes, and you think you're getting a deal. Then you go buy the ink. That's why they screw you. And they screw you on the ink. $58 for that ink. They make you think they had to go kill Moby Dick to make that ink. That's, that's what they're charging at. They think you had to kill a whale to make the friggin' ink. <laughs> You know, what's, you know what's so good about that is that is actually, it's not like, that's true. Yeah. That's yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah. The, you know, so you're just doing the guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I yeah. didn't have to write anything. Yeah. I just put a tape recorder and just talk. <laughs> yeah. Just talk. I need a new bit. On the way here today, Shirley, because we, we do a lot of our, we, we do our own printing, and I'm going, there's mm. got to be a better, we got to get e cheaper. We were going, I go, we get ripped off on this ink. Oh, it, I was actually this exact thing you were talking about. Yeah, yeah. And so and that's why it's so relatable. And then, of course, you did. Uh, and what's interesting is uh, usually when a sportscaster, most sportscasters are local and they're popular in their local market. They're not even, they're not national. Even if they are national, when they're gone, they're easily forgotten. But Harry Carey still lives on. In so many people's minds. Yeah, and, and which is which is a phenomenon because yeah. the guy's been dead like fifteen years, yeah. and I still got people yelling yeah. out, "Harry Carey!" Yeah, because you, you nailed know? the guy. I mean, when I mean that, you didn't nail mm -hmm. the guy in in the West Hollywood sense. <laughs> you nailed the guy as far as the uh, uh, the impersonation. Well, you know, because like, I grew up with him in the in, in on the South Side of Chicago. He did yeah. the White Sox for ten years. Yeah. And that was my formative years. Yeah. You know, when I was playing baseball in high school and everything, yeah. and he was like. He was phenomenal because the people, the socks sucked, and the people actually tune in to listen to Harry. Because he was like your drunk uncle yeah. who didn't edit anything, talking freely off the cuff. You know, yeah. he, he didn't have to watch his P's and Q's because he was a legend. So he had that, 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 that luxury of talking and saying anything he wanted. Yeah. And one time he was actually, him and Jimmy Pearsall were reading 
the salaries of the guys. You know, the Sox were in last place. Yeah. Hi, look at this. Bill Melton is making $750,000 a year. And he's batting 220. <laughs> How does he look the owner in the eye when he collects his check? He's got to have a ski mask on and a gun. Because all he's doing is ripping the club off. <laughs> he didn't care what the kind of uh, feedback. Like if the yeah. players find out what he said, he didn't give a crap. He didn't care, yeah. And I think what what's long-lasting about a guy like him and why people can still do a Howard Cosell or remember a yeah, Howard okay, Cosell yeah. is because that guy won't get hired today in today's climate of oh, you know no. looking good saying the right thing you'll never see another harry carrier or howard cosell because they're too ugly Lock. they're yeah. too old they're too weird they're too odd they're too thick and networks and executives today in this day and age wouldn't touch a guy like that with a 10 foot pole and i think that's what makes guys like that live on is that sure. that mystique of you'll never see that again because they won't allow it You'll just never see a, a screw. You got the good looking, the Jack Bucks, the Bob Costas. You got these straight arrow guys with the tie pulled all the way up to their neck talking, and you won't see the co-cells and no, the you cranky why? old guys yeah. that just it's, say it off the way they were. It's corporate America. Right. And, and they're playing everything close to the vest because sure. everyone's PC now. Sure. And they're worried and they're, about the job. They're worried Harry, about, Jack Buck, these guys. Yeah, Jack they, Buck. They, they're old yeah. school guys that – Paid their way, yeah, and 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 put so much time in and and earned that right to say whatever they wanted, yep. And they knew they had a following and mm -hmm. couldn't get fired, exactly. So that's the luxury they had. That's right. These new guys coming up, they can't talk like Harry no, Carey. Absolutely, they can't. Not. They can't say whatever they like want. Cosell, and they can't. No, they can't. They, they know can't they even get fired in a heartbeat. They can't even look like those guys in today's. Yeah. For the the corporation they, wants you to. They, they, the look is is more, as much as important as what they're saying. You can't even look like Howard Cosell today. So, but let me ask you this, because I, I, I agree. Like, I'll watch ESPN and go, am I watching MTV or watching ESPN? Because the people are so yeah. quaffed and they're so perfect. And there's a girl yeah. in the miniskirt. Yep. You know, and I'm not saying that she doesn't know anything about sports, but you can see her eyes working over the teleprompter, you know. Mm -hmm. And But what I find interesting, mm -hmm. this show notwithstanding, but what's happened, I think, there's, there's always a, a blowback against that. And with so many people nowadays just going, I'm going to do my own show. I'm going to do my own podcast. I'm going to do my own internet radio station. I'm going to buy a non-commercial station. That perhaps maybe from that we'll see bubble up maybe that unique or interesting person again. Since the conventional media has pretty much made it impossible for that person to come I through. I totally agree. Yeah. ESPN's already no, losing right millions of viewers and subscribers yeah. that they used to because of all these new media platforms. Mike Tirico's job and salary is on the chopping block. A lot of the big names at ESPN are the people... I totally agree with you. I think we can get back to it through this podcasting and yeah. this different platform of I, I can invent my own media, my own page, my own website. Come see me, come visit me, listen to me, and be my fan. And I think you, I think you're right. I think it could come full circle again, where a, you know, a Harry Carey or a Howard Cosell can make it on their own. Well, I hope that we get to see a Harry Carey or Howard Cosell again, and I want to see you guys back here. And the way that I'll be able to do that is so that you won't be angry with me. Because I've kept you too long and you missed your uh, no, you missed no, your no, next no, appointment. No. It's down the street. Okay, so um, well, okay. Well, I was going to wrap up. If you want to, get, I mean, it's going to take you about. If, I know what time you got to be there, and I know how long it, get, it takes to get there. But um, oh no, we're, okay. what, what time is that anyway? We're fine. Nine thirty. We good? Oh no, we're good. Yeah. Nine thirty. Yeah, yeah. Good. yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about heroin. No, let's talk. <laughs> let's let's talk about. Uh, I, I maybe you want to talk about this. Maybe you don't. Um, it seems nowadays. 
Look, John, when, when, when you were coming up, when I was coming up, uh, we knew the guys who were heavy borrowers of other people's material. We knew who they were, okay? And um, uh, now it seems if, almost if anyone gets to any level at all, there seems to be all of a sudden a, uh, a group of people. It's either some kid in his basement on the Internet or some comic who is not at that level who now is attacking that individual. I'm talking about Amy Schumer. Do you, have you followed any yeah, of this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was reading about it. I, I, you know, her, I know Wendy real you know, well. I, and, and, Wendy, and I know her husband. They live in my neighborhood yeah, two and, blocks away and in, a in very LA. funny, A very funny comic. Oh, and, she's, and, and she's Kathy brilliant. And Madigan, a very funny comic. Brilliant. Yeah, out of St. Louis. And uh, uh, Tammy, I don't know that well, and I've seen her a couple. I don't know either one of them that well. I've met them. I know their acts. And Tammy, I've seen her act once. Do you have a take on this Amy Schumer thing? Do you want to talk about this? Do you think Amy borrowed heavily from any of these three? Uh, sure. Okay. I do. Okay. <laughs> you... I mean, I, I, I trust what Wendy's saying. I, I, you know, I've watched her over the years. Yeah. And she's brilliant. And if she says... That's her bit. Then I believe her because, you know, why wouldn't I believe her? I, she goes, she could probably pull stuff out from 85 and go, listen, I did this on MTV. I got the tape right here. It's not like I'm making this stuff up. You know, so the the sad thing is that Amy Schumer apologized, but then gave her a backhanded compliment like, well, you know, that's it's old anyway or, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's, it, it doesn't even hold true to form today anyway. It was written so long ago, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, you know, he apologize and apologize, but don't apologize and then throw a, a, a backhand. You know what I'm saying? Gotcha. Yeah. And, and I, I really believe, uh, you know, this stuff goes on all the time. And, sure, because you can't copyright a joke. Like if we wrote a song, if you mm -hmm. and I wrote a song, right. and 10 years later uh, Rob uh, did the song, then we would get checks. Mm -hmm. If you know, if if it, if it made money, if, this, if if Rob did our song, then we would get checks. We'd be sitting home, and, and checks would arrive. But you can't copyright a joke, and that's I think where the madness uh, uh, really arises. Because someone in music, people will do other people's songs, and either they will pay them, or then the people will sue them. Yeah. Like what's happened with Led Zeppelin quite mm -hmm. often. Uh, but in our business, that can't take place. It's a, you know why we don't have a comedy union. Yeah. We don't have anybody looking out for us. It's dog yeah. eat dog out there, and there's yeah. a lot of low scumbag comics that just instead of thinking on their own, want to you know take the easy route and rip someone off, and that's just the world we live in. And you know it's been going on forever. I mean, Robin Williams was a brilliant comic, and he would improvise, but he he watched everybody every night at the comedy store, and when he was improvising on stage, some of their lines would come out, come flying out, come flying out, and guys would call him on it, and he would give them a grand on the spot. Freddie Asparagus, supposedly. He would pay yeah. $1,000 yeah. on the spot and, and say, I'm sorry, I was riffing, and, you know, it came out, and, and you know how he's working off the cuff? Yeah. And it came out, and here's your money. And that's, you know, he, he, I'm not taking away anything away from his brilliance, but stuff like that happens, you know? It and, does. But some guys admit it and pay for it, and other guys just keep going on ripping you off, and what are you going to do? You know, there's also, uh, um, there's also, um, uh, what do you call it? When I'm in Florida sitting in my hotel and Jason's sitting in Seattle in his hotel and we're watching television and we're watching some news thing and we both simultaneously come up with the same joke, you know, although we don't know, we don't know one another. We're separated by a continent and now he's doing it, you know, in, in Seattle. Yeah. I'm doing it in Florida. And then he gets it on TV and I'm going, this guy stole my joke. Yeah. You know, that, hap that yeah. happened to me during the uh, Jerry Sandusky 
uh, you know, the coach of Penn State when he got uh, yeah, accused of file stuff. Yeah, so that kind of happened to me. I, is it, the news was the breaking. Did the thing happen to you? No. <laughs> Jesus, I'm sorry. Uh, I came out. All right. I came out all right. John, I really applaud you for helping yeah, the show. That's hilarious. That's funny. He's a healer. No, but there was a there was a joke where I was uh, I had written right off the top of uh, off the top of my head, for, and I was working that weekend when it was happening, and I did a joke about they were that was when they were uh, a little bit after the scenario, but they were talking about bringing. Paterno statue down uh, yeah. during the whole thing after the, he was kind of implicated in knowing, and my joke was, you know, I, you know, did you hear they were going to take uh, Joe Paterno statue down, and people kind of grumble. I go, well, they're going to put it back up. They're just going to have his head looking the other way, <laughs> and that was the joke. And then literally, I did that joke over two or three nights in a row, and somebody said to me at the club, they go, hey man. Adam Ferrara just texted something exactly like that today, or tweeted something exactly like that today. Well, Adam Ferrara was in L.A. I was somewhere else, and yeah, and it was just like one of the things. But it's it does like happen. you said, it ha sure. it's it's a parallel thought because it's happening right then and there. So he's sitting somewhere watching the news. I'm sitting somewhere watching the news. Maybe our sports minds think alike in a way, and he thought that's. I mean, and I thought, well, yeah, it's a hot button issue right now. Of course, two minds thinking of a joke through it are going to probably think of the same thing and there's probably we're not the only two there's probably a lot of other guys out there that thought the same you know sure. yeah the there same thing a, uh, the joke applies either to uh, uh your gay friend or to a priest and i've heard a hundred guys do it i came up with it in the 80s when a lot of uh, um uh, a lot of pedophilia in catholic church where i go i was an altar boy and the priest never touched me which led me to think what i wasn't a cute what's kid. wrong with me yeah, yeah, what's wrong yeah, with yeah. Me? and then i heard john wing Okay, who I just met at the time, doing it, at do almost the same joke at Santa Monica Improv. I know he hadn't taken it from me. And over the years, I mean, ten years from now, when another Catholic Church pedophilia scandal happens, and it will. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. <laughs> there well, my rare had a similar joke too. Yeah, there'll, there'll be a 22-year-old kid who comes up with a joke mm -hmm. who doesn't know that any of us came up with it. So there is that. But then the big question is. Uh, did Amy Schumer, in your mind's eye, and if you don't want to answer, if you go, hey, I don't want to be putting this jackpot, but uh, in your mind's eye, did she see Wendy, see Tammy, see Kathleen at some point, and now when the pressure's on or when she knew it was going to start happening for her? Look, when, when it started to happen for Rich Scheidner back in the 80s, I was very close with him, and he goes, I think you know some things are going to happen for me, and I need some guys to help me write stuff. So he hired people to help him. But it seems some people, as the pressure's on and, and the industry's looking at them, they just blatantly start taking people's stuff. Do you think that's what happened here? Yeah, I do. Okay. And I'll tell you, All right. I'll tell you a similar incident. When I was starting out in the early 80s, uh, Arsenio Hall, Nancy Wilson came through the town. She was performing. Nancy this Wilson, the old torch singer. singer? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So she goes to the comedy one one night and sees Arsenio Hall. And likes him and says, hey, I want you to open for me. Yeah. Well, he, he had to do 20 or 25 to open for her, and he wanted to do his best, and he ended up lifting three or four comics in Chicago, some of their lines. Yeah. Well, he'd have gotten away with it, but someone reviewed him from the Chicago Tribune and put the jokes in the mm. paper. So now it gets back to these guys, and they're like, He's, th th those are my jokes, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, they call him on it, and it was like, well, I was just, I was trying to put the best set together, and, and I ended up lifting lines wow. from other guys. It's like but, stealing somebody's homework. 
Well, yeah. Well, it's not. It's well, not. It's not, it's not just, would, now, in high school, that's fine. It's yeah. Fine. No. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no, it's worse than that. Yeah. You know, it's because it's our livelihood. Right. Yeah. That's the and difference. We're, yeah. And we're we're You're judged right. on 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 what we come up with. Right. I mean, that's the whole integrity of the business is uh is is what we come up with on right. our own. That's that's. You know, and that's our that's our legacy too. That's our legacy. That's our people whole don't life care how much money, money he made at the end of it all. They were like, was he funny? Was he good? Was his content you know great? And when you know? someone lives that, they're th- yeah, they're they're literally stealing from you, not just yeah. your line, but they're stealing. Yeah, your, your, stealing you intellectual. Know. It's intellectual property. Yet it's not as it's not as easily defined as a novel or a song or a screenplay oh. is, and that becomes the the insanity for stand up comics because it's not as easy to take it to court. You know, to exactly. and, and get redressed for it. I, I, I'll comment on Schumer, and this is what I think, because I don't, I, I don't know the whole story. I don't know Wendy personally. I don't know Kathleen personally. I don't know any of these I people. Do. Yeah, I know. I'm just yeah, saying. Yeah. But here's here's what I'll here's what I will comment on, is that she just did an HBO special with Chris Rock directing it at the Apollo Theater or last fall. Yeah, and right? then Jed Apatow directed her film. Right. Well, her, my my whole point is this. At the end of the special, an HBO special directed by Chris Rock at the Apollo Theater, uh-huh. big, big, big press. She ended the, her special with three street jokes. Yeah, if you remember, she I did do. the whole like what it explains what like a these sex positions are like the old like rusty trombone. I don't know what hers were specifically, but that's what she did. She described three like sex positions yeah. with these crazy yeah. names. Yeah, yeah. That and, and, and so at that point, I just yeah. went like this. I went to myself, really. You're doing an HBO special, and you're gonna end the. the you're gonna end, and she was called out on it uh, uh, on this. Yeah. You're gonna end your special. You're gonna close. Your closing material are three street jokes, old street jokes that other people just invented, and they're not even that funny. And I just thought to myself, gee whiz, could you imagine Bill Burr ending a, an hour special with 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 like knock knock jokes, or or could you imagine any person, Louis C.K. Could you imagine these people that are at the height of their game getting HBO specials directed at the Apollo Theater? Closing the joke, closing it down with like, "Hey, the, you know what the Abraham Lincoln is? That's when you, you know, you shave your pubes and you do it. You throw, I don't know. Is, for, that the actual, we, is that the Abraham Lincoln where you actually that, shave your pubes? Is that the? That, is that the process? Can we talk about this? On I don't know what. Yeah. what yeah. So her, her, her closing joke is she tells, she explains to the crowd what an Abraham Lincoln is. That's when you shave your pubes. Come on, a girl's face, and then throw the pubes on her face. No, you can't talk about that. Uh, <laughs> I'm saying that's yeah. what she closed with. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, she did. So here's my question, John. Because yeah. John, you, I, Th- that I, just lends the uh, credibility, uh, is what I'm saying. To back up I, whatever. When, when I, I knew, uh, uh, when I, you know, when I talked with uh, uh, Joe, with the manager, and, and he confirmed that you were coming in, and I thought, uh, here's a guy. I'm going to have a guy in who was, um, he's been, he's been in the business since the early days. Okay. He's. Uh, um, like unlike some, he's he's managed to remain incredibly funny, and you've been at all kind of facets of the business. You've been where you know you're sitting there and you hang up the phone and you look at your wife, you look at your buddies, and you go, "I think I got a deal. I think some I think some things are going to happen for me." You've been at that moment where you were a kid doing open mic nights. Now a few uh, years later, you're sitting in the president of some network's office. You've been there, and then you've been where hey, the president from the network's not going to call me anymore but I'm going to continue on, okay? When you got your, for you, you were ready. You were ready. Do you think in Amy Schumer's case, let me ask you this, someone like Amy Schumer clearly wasn't ready for the level of fame and and what the business was going to do behind her and that she then panicked and took these things. Yes, I do believe that. Or someone like Judd or Jimmy, 
okay? Or Chris had sat down with her and went, look, you can't do this stuff on stage because other guys have done it. This is other people's stuff. We know these people. Let us get together and help write some things for you. And you've done this for people that, you know, where you go, hey, I got something going. John, can you help me out? You know, you've done that yourself. That if they had done that, is this so much Amy Schumer's fault or what the industry does oftentimes going, we're going to make it doing almost like that Fabian thing, you know, where they go, we're going to take this kid and make him a famous singer. No, you know what? The bottom line, it's her fault because it, when it all comes said and done, you know, she's the head coach of the team. Yeah. And I'm saying she makes the final decision. You know, it's her career. No, no matter, you know, no one else can take the blame because she has the final say. You know, it's like these – I'll do a perfect example. You know, I even talk about this in my book, A Life in Comedy. Yeah. A Life but in Comedy. It's uh, Jenny Jones. I went up against her in, 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 Star, in Star Search. Search, yeah. Right? So she comes out in this bikini, like little – I mean, I mini, mini skirt. Yeah. She's she like a white Tina Turner. She's got her yeah. boobs all pressed up. Anyway, we I, I lose at the end of it. And right before they announced the the winner, Ed McMahon turns and says, now, now uh, uh, Jenny, remember Thursday bloopers? I, she was going to be doing the show Bloopers and Blunders, the, yeah. the, Dick, the, the Dick Clark show with Ed McMahon. And yeah. I'm like, they're always they're already in cahoots with each other. Yeah. You know, for all I know, she was doing them on the side. I don't know. But anyway... I lose, I lose Star Search to her, and it's just ironic because about two months later, I'm working with her in Florida, yeah. And I'm, and she's the headliner, and I'm the feature, and she can't close the show because she's only got twenty minutes of material. Yeah, you know what I mean. Sure. And she's supposed to do forty-five, so she does her twenty minutes, and there's twenty minutes of Q and A, Q and A questions. Mm-hmm. So the next, so the owner's like flipping out. So the next night, I'm headlining, she's middling, and Ronnie Bullard's. He's he's yeah, Ronnie Bullard. He was just starting out at the yeah. time. It was the early eighties. So he's he's opening. So so by the by the weekend, <laughs> he's the feature act. Yeah. I'm the headliner, and she's opening. That's unbelievable. And I'm like, well, maybe that's what it says. She ended up being a talk show host anyway, and she was the host of the show, you know. Yeah. But it, it just goes to show you a lot of these guys hit when they're not ready. Mm-hmm. And they, they get, you know, they, they win last comic standing. And now guys want to book them because they could fill up a room. Yeah. And they get to the room, and they can't do 45. They got 15 minutes to their name. Yeah. So it's like they start panicking and start lifting stuff to fill the time. Yeah. Just like Arsenio did, just like Grammy Schumer did. This isn't something new that's happening. This no. this happens a lot. Guys can't fill the time and they're required to and they they you know, when I moved to LA, I I was already headlining in the Midwest. Yeah, you were. Absolutely. So when I come out there and, and and you know, first impressions mean a lot, especially when there's a lot of industry in the in the town. And I got on at the comedy store. I'm supposed to do Star Search the next night. And we're staying right at the Hyatt next door to the comedy store. I go, the Riot House, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I go, hey, I'll stop in. It's, there's comedy stores right there. So I go in. I go, hey, is there any chance I can get on tonight? I'm doing Star Search tomorrow. The guy says, yeah. Uh, I, I think I can get you on. So he talks to the MC. They put me up. I do 10 minutes. I have a nice set. I go in the back, and they go, Mitzi wants to talk to you. Who the fuck's Mitzi? You know, she's the owner of the place. She goes, hey, are you out here for good or just to do the show? I says, oh, I moved out here. I'm going to give it a shot. She goes, call in Monday for spots. 
And all these people start shaking my hand. And I went, what's going on? They go, she just made you a paid regular, man. Yeah. The guy working the door, he's been here two years trying to be a paid regular working every open mic night. Yeah. But because I came out with a set and that I was already a headliner, mm -hmm. you know, you make a bigger splash. And, I, and Jimmy Schubert was working the door at the yeah, time. Yeah, Jimmy, yeah. Jimmy, right? Hey, and he'd see us. He'd see me hey, perform hey, every night. Hey, he'd see all these stars performing every night, right? And I said, Jimmy, I goes, you're trying to make it. You're trying to start here in L.A. I goes, you got to go find a place where you can cut your teeth, where you could be bad. Find yeah. a room where you could be bad and, and, and grow and hone your act. I goes, look who's on stage. Robin Williams. You know who's after him? Uh, 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 um. Uh, Paul Rodriguez, you know, was after him, you know, uh, uh, Eddie Sam Murphy. Kinison, yeah. I goes, are you, are you, you're trying to start in a place where there's headliner after headliner. You're never going to get on stage. I goes, you got, so he moves to Florida. Yeah. Out of sight, out of mind from LA, stays there for two years, hones his, he comes back, he's got a killer, killer show. Sure. In fact, he always had it in him. Right. He just didn't have a place to perform. That's right. I met, I met Jimmy down south. He said he used to live, you know, I met him and uh, I think we did some gigs and I was directed a play for someone in North Carolina and he was working for Brad Greenberg and uh, he became very funny. Then the next thing I know, this guy who was struggling, not funny, I'm watching a movie in Vegas. I go, Jimmy Schubert's in a damn movie. But he did go. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, so. Uh, but a great guy and a funny guy who took your advice mm -hmm. and uh, followed it. And it's, it's worked out nicely for him. No, he told me, he goes, Cap, that was the best advice you ever he ever gave me yeah he goes i had to go and i had to find myself and that you know i was and he he came back with a killer set and became a regular at the comedy store and now he's shooting his own hour special mm -hmm. at flappers next week yeah. in la so, yeah. oh, they, oh, so they're shooting specials in uh well flappers? i think it's his he own is, thing yeah, he's, okay. he's putting okay. his own thing on. i'm opening for him oh that's awesome yeah that's yeah, awesome i'm, I'm yeah. doing like 15 before the tape you know like he's got like a guy from uh, conan that's going to the warm-up act for conan they're going to go Train the crowd with the all barbarian? the cameras and stuff. Uh, Gary Cannon. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's you know, just, a lot of guys are doing this now. They're just taping their own yeah. specials. Yeah. Netflix then, is buying them and then selling them on on their own website. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, for five dollars you can watch my special instead yep. of instead of giving it over to Showtime or HBO. They're they're just doing it themselves, right. which is they, which know, is brilliant. Yeah. It's what, like taking the power back the new, in your own that's hands. That's the whole what we were talking about. Yeah. It's new media, it's new platforms. That's you can a, do it yourself. That's a, it's like TiVo. I said it's one of the best inventions of the millennium. Yeah. It's given all the power back to the viewer. Yeah. It's like telling NBC and NBC, no, screw you. I'm going to watch this when I want to watch it, and I'm not going to watch the commercials. How do you like that? NBC, NBC, <laughs> what? that's what? That's It's the best, <laughs> it's the best invention sure. of the millennium. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah. You know? and, and real talent will bubble up through that. And you guys are real talent. And we're going to wrap it up. Because I want you guys to go out and have a good, awesome. and I want you to come back, uh, John. You could be driving through town, going someplace <laughs> else, and go. Uh, I need to stop off and get a cup of coffee. I want you to come here and talk to us. You've got hours of not only hours of entertaining stuff, but a lot of comics listen to this show, and you got hours of things to say that are extremely helpful to comics, whether they're young or old, or even if they're old, the things that they have forgotten to be reminded of again. And uh, if you want to see uh, very funny people. You're going to go to the Scottsdale Laugh Factory uh, tonight for two shows, Saturday for two shows, Sunday for two shows. Um, what do we got? One okay. on Sunday. Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, uh, by the way, John has written a book. Okay? And it's, uh, uh, the li it's The Life in Comedy or My Life in Comedy? I want to mention it one more time. A Life in Comedy. A Life in Comedy by John Caponera. It's on, uh, and how, do, how are they going to be able to get to it again? You just go to Amazon, put in A Life in Comedy, or put in my name. And it'll or come even up. if I Google your name. 
Yeah. I don't go to websites anymore. If I want to know something, I just put it in Google and the websites will pop up. I'm sure it will. Yeah. It'll go right to Amazon and go right to my uh, book. And it's like $4.99. But it's it's, like I said, it's autobiographical, but it's geared towards aspiring comics. Excellent. I'm going to grab it and I'm going to read it. So, uh, Jason, a pleasure meeting you. A lot of fun. Thanks for including me. Come out and see these guys this weekend and when they're back. Uh, I'm Tony Vizzi. You can listen to This American Podcast Comedy Edition. We'll be back in just a couple of moments. Excellent. I can't help but love you till the day that I die. So tell me why, baby, why, baby, why, baby, why? Now I gotta grow, I gotta pick with